0: God desires for His people to be united. The foundation of unity is truth. The Word of God is described or called truth. John seven, uh, John chapter 17, Jesus says, "Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth." Oftentimes, the reasons for our disagreements the source of our inconsistencies with one another comes about how we see the Word of God and thus apply the Word of God. The way we view Scripture has a direct influence about how it is we follow said Scripture and apply it to our lives. There are some who believe when they look at the Word of God that God is giving to us guidance, a pattern to follow, commandments to obey, There are others who look at the Word of God and and have rejected that way of seeing the Word and see more that that, that the Word of God is more like a story, that God is revealing who He is, and it's just a story to be read. You can understand, then, if you have two people who are looking at the same book through these different lenses, they're going to arrive at different conclusions, different applications of the text. Again, if God wants His people to be unified, and the basis of unity is truth, And the source of truth is the Word of God. How we approach the Word is crucial to maintaining and and succeeding in that unity. And so this morning, I want to just suggest a very simple thought, which we are going to explore for every bit of the time. I'm going to squeeze every minute we have out of our session this morning. Is the Word of God to be seen as a pattern, as commandments to be obeyed, as, as a standard to be followed and any sense of that. Is that truly what the Word of God is? Is that the way we are to see and view and read the scriptures? That's where we're gonna go this morning. By pattern, if you kinda of take a collective grouping of different definitions of pattern, this is maybe a good synthesis of of it, is that a pattern is something fashioned or designated to serve as a model, a guide, that that which is to be duplicated or replicated. So that someone may follow the example or pattern. And so that's what we're talking about. Is there some sort of a model, a standard to which God wants his people to follow laid out in the word of God? So when we start in the Old Testament, the very beginning, we see that our God is a God of order. The very beginning, the very first page, when God is creating the world, it's not chaos. God has a structure, God has a plan, God has a way laid out through which he creates the world. And so the first three days... God creates a habitat. He creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the skies and the sea. And then he creates dry land. Well, following that order, the next three days, he creates what's going to dwell in those habitations. And so on day four, he creates the stars and the moon and the, and the, and the sun, which dwell in the heavens. On day five, he creates birds and fish, which will dwell in the sea and the sky. If I got that order right. And then and, and then day 6, he creates the creatures and man which will dwell on the land. God is a God of order. You think about in Genesis chapter 6 when God told Noah to construct the ark, and everything about that ark was detailed. How big it was supposed to be, what kind of wood it was to be made out of, the dimensions of that ark, what kind of doors and windows were on that ark. God had it all laid out specifically for Noah so that when it says in Genesis 6 verse 22, Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Every detail, every description that God had given him. Notice the language, Noah did according to. That phrase, according to, is found hundreds of times throughout our Bible. According to. The phrase, according to, suggests this, that it's in conjunction with, in accord with, in agreement with what the Lord has said. That implies that there's some sort of a pattern that there's some sort of a of an expectation that God has laid down in this Word, and whoever is listening is trying to the best of their ability to be in harmony or line up with what God has said. And so as Moses or as uh, Noah built the ark, constructed this ark, he built it exactly as the Lord told him to. And in fact, even in Genesis 7, when they are boarding that ark, everything that went on the ark was what God commanded in the exact order and numbering. So it says in Genesis 7 and verse 5 that Noah did. Again, notice according to all that the Lord had commanded him. And so God had a pattern, God had an expectation, and Noah followed it. God had a pattern for the tabernacle. We're in Exodus chapter 25. If you've ever gone through this section of Exodus before, you know that God was not vague about what he wanted with the tabernacle. Some of the most specific details about what God wanted is laid out in these chapters. This is the reason that some really struggle with their daily Bible reading because when they get to Exodus 25 to 30, it gets really tedious for a while. He's talking about the tent and the color of the fabric and the color of the, of the outer layers. And then he talks about every piece of furniture and what it's supposed to be made of and where it's supposed to be. He talks about the people that are supposed to go inside the tent and what they're supposed to wear and when they're supposed to go in and how they're supposed to go in and on what days they're supposed to go in. Here's what it says in Exodus 25 verse 9. He says, according to all that I'm going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, so shall you construct it. He doesn't say, Moses, build me a tent and you just do the best that you can. Use your imagination. He says, I'm going to show you what I want and I want you to build it exactly as I've shown you, in fact, the end of this chapter in verse 40. God says again, see that you make them after the pattern for them, which was shown you on the mountain. Follow my pattern. Now, here's why that's really important. One, it's important because God says it. And if God says, follow me, if God says, do as I say, that's enough. But the Hebrew writer grabs onto this verse, and he quotes it in Hebrews 8 and verse 5. And he says that there's those who served a copy of the shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Why was it so important that Moses build the tabernacle exactly as God said? One, because God said so. But two, because that tabernacle was representing something a lot greater than just a tent. It was leading and showing and teaching and preparing the people for something a lot greater which was to come. And so if Moses flubbed, if Moses went off the record and did what he wanted to do, it wouldn't be the exact pattern of what God was trying to teach and prepare his people for. And the, the point... The writer makes, just a little aside, the tabernacle, and as detailed as it was, and as focused as Moses was on God's command, he says, this was getting people ready for something greater, and we have something greater, and that's why the emphasis all through Hebrews, it kind of starts back in chapter 2, is that's why we need to pay much closer attention to what we have heard, because we have heard and exist and are following something far we might say that God had a pattern for the people's lives. If you're back in the Old Testament, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. I mean, chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. God had a pattern for how the people back then were to live. Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says in verse 1, Deuteronomy 4 and verse 1, it says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, your the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor. For all the men who follow Baal Peor, the Lord your God, destroy them among you. But you who held fast according uh, to the, word, the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do thus in the land where you are going to possess it. So keep them, in verse 6, and do them. For that is your wisdom and your understanding and the side of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What do you think? God gave me a pattern. God gave me a law follow it. Don't add to it. Don't depart from it. Don't neglect some of it. What God has told us to do, keep it. And so when Joshua is leading this people into this new land, in Joshua chapter one, the very first chapter in verse seven, it says, only be strong and very courageous. This is God to Joshua. Be careful to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant commanded you. Notice do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. I'm telling you what I want you to do. I'm outlining how I want you to live. Just follow it. Follow my law. Follow this pattern. Obey what it is I'm telling you to do. Maybe one more for today. There's our phrase again. You notice that? According to. Today, our children are starting our new quarter. And it begins with the handing off of a kingdom from David to Solomon. And David wanted to build a temple for God. And God said no. But that doesn't mean that David was completely absent in the preparing for that temple because David was the one who helped to sketch the pattern. David was the one who helped to gather the funds and the materials for the temple. In fact, it, there's a statement made in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 19 that our kids uh, are reading this week, and it says this, All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the details of this pattern. Did David just kind of sketch it? I've got a good mind for architecture. I'm going to make something really great for God. No, what David outlined was what God told him to outline. What David sketched, the pattern he made, was the pattern that God had given to him. Do you kind of see the point? I mean, what what more could we say if we wanted to take the hour or two? There was a pattern with the Passover. What they were to do, what they were to eat, how they were to do so, when they were to partake of it. There was a pattern when Israel was in the wilderness about when they were to leave and when they were to stop and how, when they stopped, they were to camp and how they were to put their tents. There's a pattern, remember, through the wilderness of when the manna came down, how much they could get, how much they could eat, how much they could not keep over and what details there were for each day of the week. There's a pattern when God told Joshua to go and to defeat Jericho and the battle plan. God is the God of patterns. So, follow this train of thought with me. If God was so detailed in the Old Testament so specific about every detail about who they were about worship how to worship when to worship how to engage in that worship where to worship if god was so specific in the old testament for people's lives and worship and their relationship with him don't you think it would be strange if when we get to the new testament there were no specific details no commandments no guidance no example about how the people are to live how they are to worship how they are to engage in their relationship with God, especially realizing then, here's our bridge. We know what Paul said, that this Old Testament we've been looking at, and we just took a couple minutes, but that's the point. The Old Testament's so detail-oriented, so focused on what the Lord has said, was leading us to Christ. I think sometimes we get this wrong, thinking the Old Testament was there, but then when we get to the New Testament, it's all new, and there's no more details, there's no more commandments, there's no more principles or patterns. We're missing the whole point of Galatians 3. The very purpose of the patterns, the purpose of following God closely, the purpose of doing exactly what the Lord has said, was preparing us for the New Testament. Because here's the thing, when we get to the New Testament, guess what we see? We see Jesus, who is a pattern of following God's pattern. Right? And so you think of things that Jesus taught. Like, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you're going to follow the pattern. Or, as he said out his apostles, he says, When you go into all the world, you are to teach my word. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what? all i have commanded you i'm giving it to you i'm giving you the truth what are you to do follow the truth and teach this truth and so jesus taught this and jesus lived this he who sent me is with me he has not left me alone for i always do the things that are pleasing to him so those today who are saying the only pattern we have is christ that's our only pattern the only pattern is jesus well jesus is a pattern of following God's pattern. Jesus is an example of doing everything the Lord says. In fact, those who kind of want to sidestep any kind of, of of obedience in the new covenant today, of following the example and all they say is, just know Jesus. What really matters is just knowing Jesus. Paul says, those who claim to know Jesus and don't do what God says, they don't know him. He says they profess to God, but by their deeds they deny him by being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. I've used the analogy upstairs to the high schoolers before. i got a friend named Susan. It's her birthday. Susan hates chocolate. She's allergic to peanut butter, and she despises flowers. And so for her birthday, I buy her the biggest Reese's I can find and a bouquet of flowers. What's she going to say? You must not really like me. You don't know me at all. If you knew me, you knew I wouldn't want any of those things. John says, in 1 John 1, uh, 2 and verse 4, he says, The one who says, I have come to know him, just know Jesus, just know him. But he does not keep his commandments. He's a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps this word, in him the love of God, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. You see it? How do you know you know God? How do you know you know Christ? Because I'm following his word. I'm following the pattern. That was the existence. That was the pattern, the example of Jesus. We see it with the apostles. The apostles' teachings are a pattern. And so we'll find phrases, right? We'll find phrases like 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He uses this word in the New American Standard, this word standard fascinating that's where we get our english word for type which means to make an impression by means of a blow i want to take you back in history for a minute there used to be a time before computers where you had something called a typewriter and you would put in some paper and it would sit right next to a ribbon and then you had your keyboard and when you push down on a key that little hammer would strike against the ink and leave an impression on paper i've lost some of our members already all right you have to google it a little later that's the meaning of the word. It's this impression that is made. But that word came on to use to mean later, you see down below, a model or an example or a pattern, which is what some of your versions, if you have your Bibles open, the ESV or the New King James just uses that word pattern. But Paul here is saying, our teaching, the truth, the sound truth you're hearing, it is a pattern pattern. That is, it is that which is to be believed and accepted and followed. In fact, he used the same word in the first letter. Notice how he uses it here. First Timothy one, begin verse fifteen. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. And yet for this reason I found mercy in order that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as here's our word, an example. For those who would believe in him for eternal life. That same word is used. Well, what's he pointing to here? He's pointing to the example of God's love and mercy and grace through his own life. The point is this. If God was so loving and gracious and forgiving towards me, Saul, then he will be just as loving and gracious and forgiving to anyone today. My life and the teaching of my life and salvation are a pattern, an example for all. In fact, just an aside, I don't have it on the screen, Peter does the same thing. In Acts 15, where there's a discussion about how the Jews and the Gentiles are saved, he points to the example of how Cornelius is saved back in Acts chapter 10. And so the teaching of the apostles, as a or a pattern, which means this, if you follow what was taught, there was an expectation among the apostles, given by Jesus, that what they taught was to be consistent. The same pattern every time, every place. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17, For this reason I have sent you, Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ. Notice, just as I teach everywhere and in every church. We see the same thing in the end of the book. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, Concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. I teach the same thing here, there, and everywhere. But it's not just that they taught the same thing and there's an expectation of teaching the same thing all the time. There was an expectation that the people would follow the pattern everywhere and in every time. And so do you remember in 1 Corinthians 11, there's this context about the covering and the head covering and what's going on in that situation. Paul makes a statement in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 16. He says, but if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice, nor have the churches of God. You notice that phrase, nor have the churches of God? In other words, what he's saying is, what you're doing is not what everyone else is doing. Why are you different? The implication is what you're doing is not good. Everyone else has the custom, is following a certain pattern, but you're not. There ought to be a consistency of behavior and obedience to this consistent pattern. That's kind of outlined in Philippians 4 verse 9. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The things you've seen, noticed, seen, and observed in us, our life and our behavior, the things you've heard, the teaching that we have, follow these things. Follow the pattern that you have seen. One more, their lives, the very lives. That's kind of the point. The apostles' lives were a pattern, and so Paul would say, noticing the language here, Philippians two verse seventeen, brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk. Notice according to the pattern you have in us, all through Scripture. According to this pattern, this teaching, this example, follow what it is you see us doing. And so there's a section in Second Thessalonians chapter 3 where Paul is describing those who are lazy. They're not working, and yet they're wanting to receive all the benefits of those who do work. And he points to their own example. He says, we, we didn't eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the right to this, but, in order to offer ourselves, notice as a model for you that you might follow our example, and so not only are we teaching you what it is you ought to do in terms of how to work and how to bend how to earn what it is that you that you need, we showed you through our lives. That's why Paul could say, "Be an imitator of me." This is I am of Christ because the apostles were following the example of Jesus, teaching the words of Jesus so they could say, listen to us, follow us as we follow Christ. All right. So what? There's a lot of moving. Thank you for making it for, for, with me through that one. I want to get to the, so what. What's all this about? Here's, first of all. Let's just say God has a pattern. It's very clear. You just can't get away from it. You can't escape it. We can't ignore it. We can't gloss over it. We can't say we're more spiritual than it. God has a pattern. All throughout Scripture, He has a pattern. And we appeal to it all the time. Right? For instance, God has a pattern about marriage. And so that statement that's given in Genesis chapter 2, and verse 24, that a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, that's found four times throughout Scripture. Why? Because God has a pattern. God has a teaching. God has a standard He wants His people to follow through. And it's not just marriage. Right? God has a pattern for His church. What's a church to do? How is the church to be organized? How is the church to use its funds and, and, and its work? Well, God has a pattern. How do we know this? Well, you might say in Philippians 1, and verse 1, when He talks about the church at Philippi, that they were organized as a church of elders, deacons, and saints. Where do we see any of that anywhere else? Well, we see elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 who were gathering with Paul to teach. We see elders in the church of Jerusalem in Acts 15 who are gathering to discuss a spiritual matter. And perhaps we see deacons in the church of Jerusalem. Maybe, maybe not. But in Acts chapter 6, there certainly were servants in the church who were serving the need at the time. We see a pattern. We see a teaching. We see a consistent behavior according to what's being taught. And here's the thing, brethren. God has a pattern for our lives. That's the whole point of Colossians 3 or Ephesians 4. If you are in Christ, something has changed, and he outlines what that looks like. Colossians 3, it sounds like this. Because you're in Christ, there are some things you have put off, and there are some things you are putting on. What is that? A pattern? A commandment? An example? It's not a story. It's an expectation for people that if you are walking this way and pursuing this way, there's a certain behavior that's expected you're going to adhere to this way. Here's number two. One more thought on this. Let me just wrap it together. God having a pattern, this has nothing to do with Alexander Campbell or with Barton Stone with Moses Lard, and you may have no idea what I'm talking about. It has nothing to do with any grouping of preachers who said, you know, let's get together and let's create some laws. Let's create some rules and we're going to scatter them among all the churches and if people don't follow our rules, then we're going to say they're disobeying God's, God's standard. How do we know that? Look at this. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, For training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. What happens when someone reads the word of God? What do they come away with? Do they know about God? Yes. Do they see God's story and what He has done, His redemptive plan from the very beginning? Yes. But are they also equipped to serve God exactly the way God wants? Yes. Which means there's instruction about how to live how to live right and right with God, and how to be right with God and stay right with God. That's all those first words up there about reproof and correction and teaching and and training, training and righteousness. There's instruction about the church and how to worship God in the church and, and serve God in the church and work for God in the church. There's instruction about the home and marriage and family. Every good work, a pattern has nothing to do with what man has created. It has everything to do with what God has given in His Word, and when I read these words, I learn what God wants. That's what the pattern is. I'm learning who God is and learning how it is I can please that God through what he has said. Now, secondly, everyone appeals to the pattern. Everyone does. There are some who say, you're not supposed to read the Bible that way. We make that up, that way of reading the Bible. You're not supposed to read that book that way. The only pattern that exists is Jesus. That's the only pattern. Here's the thing. Those who say there is no pattern appeal to God's pattern. For instance, those who will say there is no pattern at all in the Bible will appear to God appeal to God's pattern for salvation. Because if you ask the question, what must one do to be saved? They will give an answer. Now it may not be in accordance to God's pattern, it may not be the complete pattern, but without a doubt they're appealing to something, some line, some standard. And even if that's not the one, perhaps the most glaring uh, infraction of this is morality. There's no pattern. There's no pattern. The only pattern is Christ. But then when it comes to matters of right and wrong, like it's wrong to lie. Can't lie. It's wrong to cheat and to break your promise to your spouse. It's wrong to judge. Don't judge. What are they doing? They are appealing to the standard. So here's the real issue, and I think it's good for us to expose this. The real issue is this. Everyone appeals to the standard. What a lot of people today are doing is that they're appealing to the standard over the things that they like, and the things that fit their life, and their mindsets. But then when it comes to things that they don't like, the things that they want to do, that run in conflict with the Word of God, all of a sudden then there's no more pattern. There's no more, there's no more example. There's no more commandments. The only pattern is Christ. It's a preacher in the, in the Church of Christ who preached this not long ago. Listen to what he's saying. The reason I've chosen Romans 14 is because there's a plethora of issues you can put in there. Notice, and a lot of the issues in Christ are pretty black and white, as we say it. The Bible says do this and do not do that. And then there's these all kinds, uh, these kinds of interesting, notice, pattern theology issues and opinion issues and bias issues, and I get all that. But look, here's the thing about someone who is now walking for Christ. Our only pattern is Christ. It doesn't really matter what you're doing because everything you're doing is for the Lord. Doesn't matter what you're doing, because the only pattern is Christ. Let me ask you something with that logic. Can we just serve pizza and Coke for the Lord's Supper today? Can we scrap with the eldership and Jordan becomes the Pope of Kimball Road? Give me a nice hat. Can our sisters come up and preach this morning? No, why not? Why not? Is that the question? Why not? What are you appealing to? Well, a standard. Can you see? When we reject any kind of pattern, command, or obedience, we lose it all. If there's no pattern, then anything goes. In fact, what a lot of people will hang on, and this is what I think a lot of our young people really need to grab onto and listen to, the greater emphasis of what people are talking about is that Christ is our pattern, and so what's most important is love God and love others. And the verse that's referred to over and over again is what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, and verse 23: "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithes mint and dill and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier provisions of the law—justice and mercy and faithfulness." Hear what's saying there? You, you've majored in the minors, and yet you've minored in the majors. You paid attention to tithing, but you neglected people. And so what's taught today is, what's most important is the bigger matters, the weightier matters. Justice and love and service and caring for those who are in need. But did you notice how the verse ends? These are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Question. Who is more wrong? The one... Who does not serve their neighbor in any kind of love or kindness or compassion. The one who neglects God's authority on worship, the church, or any way of God has talked about holy living. Who's more wrong? Can you see the point that Jesus is making on the board? It's not, you don't need to worry about all those little details about tithing. You just need to worry about the bigger matters. He's saying, I want all obedience. I want you to completely obey me. I don't want partial obedience. I want you to serve me with all of your heart and follow the pattern as it has been written. When we neglect this, redefine this, and twist this to our own, our own liking, anything goes. There's no end to that path. And that's the last thing, is that the Scripture is quite clear. It warns about departing from this pattern over and over and over again. I mean, all we have to say is, what about Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10? There's a reason that story is there. About offering unauthorized fire and being consumed before the Lord. Or last quarter, as our kids studied, What about the story in 2 Samuel 6, when David put that ark on the card that was not authorized, and Uzzah reached out and touched it, and he was consumed, he was destroyed there on the spot by the Lord. Well, why did Paul begin his letter to the churches in Galatia saying, I'm so surprised yeah, you are departing from this gospel as if there is another gospel. Because if anyone preaches to you something different from this, a man or an angel or anyone, they're supposed to be a curse because there's only one gospel. There's consistency in the warning about those who want to stray from what God has said. In fact, there's an interesting phrase that's used in the book of 1 Corinthians 14. Notice again here, Paul says in verse 36, was it?" From you that the word of God first went forth? Or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. There's a lot of issues going on with spiritual gifts and worship and the use of those gifts. And again notice Paul is appealing to a standard, and he says, The the way that you're engaging in those gifts, the way that you're using these spiritual gifts, did God give that to you only? Are you appealing to some sort of a standard we don't have? Did God only talk to you? Did did God only direct you and not the rest of us? Notice how he says in verse 37, what he says. If someone comes among you and claims to be more spiritual, there's your trump card that's often played a lot today. That's an old way of thinking, but us more enlightened spiritual thinkers have a better, deeper way of understanding this. If anyone claims to be more spiritual, if anyone claims to be a prophet, a true knowledge and speaker of the Word of God, and yet they set aside God's commandments, they are not. No one who is spiritual sets aside God's commandments. If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize the things I'm writing are his commandments. Which means what? Then we're going to follow these and submit to these. Isn't that what John said? Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he is both the Father and the Son. I'm abiding and following in the teaching. I was reading this week from from Brother Warren Berkeley. He was writing, and there were some things he was writing that was really consistent with this. And this is what he said. He said that this isn't a matter of being conservative. It is a matter of being right. This isn't just about continuing to do those um to do what those men believed in who started the local church community, it is about continuing steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, Acts 2 and verse 42. When we follow God's pattern, because we love God, we want to honor Christ and carry out divine purposes, this is not the mentality of a Pharisee. This is the mentality of a servant who wants to obey the Lord. That's what we're talking about. It's simply someone who wants to obey the Lord. So when you go all the way back and you look at what God said to Moses and he laid out the pattern of what he wanted for his tabernacle on the mountain, Moses did not build a tent to his own liking. He built the tent exactly the way God wanted to. Why? It was God's. Because it was God's tent. See, Can we see that point? Why did Moses follow the pattern of the tabernacle? Because it belonged to God. Who does this church belong to? If you are in Christ, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, who do you and I, who do you and me, who do we belong to? See to it that you make all things according to the pattern that was shown to you. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com questions at thebibleway.com We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.